Greetings, folks. Hey, today we have the pleasure of sharing with you our 42nd Costa Rica Pura Vida Lifestyle Podcast Series episode that deals with the daily life in Costa Rica and the many questions that arise when thinking about moving here, visiting for a while, how one acquires their legal status, and so on and so on. As you know, becoming a resident of Costa Rica is an involved process. More and more individuals right now in 2022 and families, they're thinking about it. They're moving to Costa Rica, and they have so many questions. Today and throughout the coming months, I'm going to be spending some time with Kevin McNamee. He's the representative for Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts. He and his team, they've helped hundreds of people in acquiring their legal status and everything that's involved with the process for many years. He's an expert, a professional, and a perfectionist when it comes to his business, and I'm so happy to have him here with us right now. Kevin, good morning. How are you doing, my friend? And uh, are you ready just for a couple questions today again? I certainly am. Again, good morning to you also, and I look forward to your questions, and I hope people are satisfied with the answers. Well, that sounds great, my friend. Uh, I say welcome to you again. This is the 42nd time, and we appreciate your spending a few minutes with us just explaining what you know and what we need to know. And today, um, we've been getting a lot of emails and phone calls from people who are just first considering moving to Costa Rica. And I just want to set this up for you, and then you can Uh, go on and tell us everything you know about this in about 15 minutes or so. But many of these people have been to Costa Rica at least 10 to 15 times. They love the country. Perhaps they were going to put off moving there until 2024 or 2025. And I'm not taking sides in any political party, but uh, in the United States and in Canada, things are getting really bad for a lot of people. And so Now they are wanting to perhaps move to Costa Rica a little bit sooner. And they ask simply about immigration. What is the immigration process? And at this time, they don't want details. They just want an overview. So let's talk directly to these people and just tell us what you can about from start to finish, just the immigration process. You're moving to Costa Rica in two months, and what do I do? Well, there's sit back and, and listen to all the details I'll give you. There'll be a test at the end of this uh, session. And if you don't pass, you can't come to Costa Rica. Now that, now, that, not that, now that I've said that and I got everybody's attention, I'm joking. The fact is, we're only too happy to answer your questions. In fact, I keep telling people half and joke and fully in earnest. Please don't hesitate to ask questions because it's easier to answer a question than to solve a mistake and at a lot less time consuming. So joking aside, immigration is a serious business. It's uh, the devil's in the detail, in the paperwork and such. You have to be attuned to what they are requesting at the various uh, Types of immigration status has various types of requirements, and you can't confuse one with the other because it invalidates both and such. So 
we ask people to, as a preamble, what type of status are you considering? The pensionado status, if you have a pension over $1,000 a month, rentista basically means there's a status created to provide a, res, a legal status here for people that have lots of money but don't have a pension, i.e. self-employed people and such. And then the resident investor status, which for people who invest $200,000 in Costa Rica, and that investment includes includes the purchase of a, a home, land and home. If it's in excess of $200,000, that qualifies for a legal status called pension, uh, resident investor. As a bit of an aside, a lot of people are under the impression that the requirement is now $150,000, that it has been recently decreased from the $200,000. And I, I just want to, I want to ensure people that no, I didn't misspeak or I didn't misspoke or misspeak. We know it is still US $200,000. Will it change in the future? Quite possibly. But just as good a chance it goes up as it goes down. But right now, $200,000 is the required amount to qualify financially for investor status. As I mentioned, for the pensionado, you have to show the applicant. In each case, we're talking with the applicant. That's a thousand dollar pension guaranteed for life, or social security, whatever. And then the the rentista is proof that you will not become a burden to the country by coming down here and then have your hand out saying, "Mr. Government, take care of me. Uh, my 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 dog is sick, and my wife is leaving me, and I need some food." They they want to know that you have the financial wherewithal, and they the request you provide that to them in the form of a letter saying that from a typically from a bank in your home country or you can open a bank account here and it, the letter basically says on the bank's letterhead that so and so Mr. Applicant does have funds in the amount suitable to provide a minimum of $2,500 a month for 24 months, therefore like $60,000 on deposit. Do you have to do anything with that letter? The letter has to be signed by a officer of the bank. Then the letter signature has to be notarized. And for people that, applicants who are members of the, uh, live in a country that is a member of the Hague Convention, then that document has to get apostilled. And a postilled is a treat for those people that live in a country that's a signatory of the Hague Convention, because otherwise you have to go through reams of different government agencies in your home country trying to get somebody to witness or testify that the information is correct. So Americans, for example, are members of the Hague Convention, are signatories of the Hague Convention. Canada is not. For whatever reason, and I went through Hades on Earth years ago when I was getting my paperwork together, and our Canadian friends still have more difficulty. But yeah, those are the requirements for for financial requirements for the different legal statuses. The basic paperwork is the same except for the source of funds primarily. 
everybody must have a valid passport. Everybody must have a, a new birth certificate. If married, they have to have a um, uh, marriage certificate. And then depending on the type of, uh oh, and a police report from your home country, FBI, if you are an American, RCMP, if you're Canadian, Interpol in a number of European countries, on and on, you can spell out who you have, have to deal with in your questions and answers with us on a one-to-one -one basis. But the the devil is in the details. Don't, and when this does happen at times, people give us the paperwork for one part of the status and then the paperwork for a different type of status. And we end up being not able to use either. So we, we it's, it's important that you understand and it's important for us to be sure that you understand what you need the paperwork for from your home country. We'll help you to every degree we can, but so much of that, like for example, birth certificate, we cannot get that for you because of fear of terrorism, whatever people applying for other people's birth certificates and such, and play havoc or wreck havoc on, on that individual years later. So it's, it's uh, we spell it out very clearly and every every provider that knows their the business and how important it is spells it out very clearly that uh, what has to be done follow the rules and you'll have no problems and that's 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 the general overall view of of immigration paperwork requirements when you get to costa rica there is additional paperwork that we have to have our lawyer create for you. That would be a power of attorney allowing us to represent you and or represent your application at immigration. We write the formal letter to immigration saying that Mr. Joe Blow is now applying for pensionado status and we wish you to, Mr. Immigration Department, to entertain his heartfelt wishes and blah, blah, blah. And then we do the uh, notarizations of the passport. The lawyer does the notarizations for the passport, which we then gather. And when we have all the paperwork from the home country and from here, and it's all been translated, then we open the file immigration on your behalf and we submit the paperwork when they tell us to. And under the new programs for Pensionado and Rentista, you can literally expect your carnet, your cedula, uh, we're, told, we're being told now within six months, five months, six months. So it's a great improvement over the six months theoretically before, which became a, a year, which became a year and a half, and quite often two years before a person got their status. They have streamlined a lot of, of the process since COVID. And the, for example, we can submit the files for Rentista and Pensionado by our online, whereas the investor status, although it's basically the same paperwork except the proof of funds and such that you that you invested here, but that is uh, the the uh, uh, it's just a different criteria for the information. But in order for us to submit that paperwork, we cannot do it electronically for investor status. We have to 
physically make a, an appointment and then at that appointment time submit the paperwork where they start reviewing your file and right now today july 21st if we were to phone and ask for an appointment for a resident investor status we would get a an appointment in mid november early december they're that far behind because a uh, lower person, number of personnel in the in, in the uh, in the physical office because of COVID and the hangover, carryover from COVID, and also they decimated their ranks because they were closed for so many years or so many months, I should say. But there's a there's a open the communication with your provider, and we are only too happy to answer the same question five different ways if that's what it takes but we want to make sure you leave fully knowing what what your timeline timeline will be what your uh application type will be and when you can expect it and the steps to you provide to us and we provide for you here so that's immigration uh in a in a nutshell now always changing in a sense because now they're looking at no uh, nomad which is trying to get a piece of that market where people are now finding that they can work around the world as long as they're still tied to their office in home country they may have a, a number of clients in their home country or technically along to their outside of costa rica that they are doing work for electronically. So they call them nomads because they move from country to country as the, as the, as the fancy strikes them. And they stay here in Costa Rica for six months to a year. After a year, they renew for another year if they want to, and no need to, but they, they move on to Honduras or on to Europe or whatever country that's suitable for the time frame of their home office is at. So it's a, uh, that's just coming into vogue now. They're working on it very quickly, very uh, diligently. It's not a fast process, but they are telling people, yes, we will be offering this this new, and we can't call it a status because it's not. It's a substatus, really. Of, most likely it's going to be a substatus of uh, rentista. We, uh, we just don't know yet because we don't have the details yet. The fact is right now, it legally does not exist, but we've been told it will very soon. Just like we've been told the $200,000 requirement for investor status will be reduced to 150,000, but it has not been. We've been voting this around for over a year now. It still is $200,000 and we get probably on, on average 15 to 20 inquiries a week, phone calls and emails saying, would you clarify the following? Is it 50 or 150,000 or is it 200,000? Again, at the risk of repeating myself, it is $200,000 and it remains $200,000 until they announce that it's changed, put it put into effect. That's a, a sort of an overall picture of, of uh, immigration here. Just be assured that although it sounds complicated and such, for companies, companies like ourselves who have done many 
hundreds of applications from not only the US and Canada, but from around the world. Uh, we have a tremendous number of people from India interested in coming to Costa Rica, uh, Asian countries coming to Costa Rica. We don't get many from the Middle East. Uh, I don't know why the, I don't know whether they want to be in, in the Central America and such, but uh, we don't get very many from that area. And when we do get inquiries from that area, we ask her and we never get a reply. So I guess you were doing something wrong or doing something right, depending on your perspective and such. But uh, we, uh, we honor or we react, react to every inquiry as the same, no matter how. We'll find out whether you're, the applicant is a country, belongs to a country that is uh, a member of the Hague Convention and such. Then if it's not, then we tell them, here's how you have to go and find a local source to get your documents uh, witnessed and such. The fine details, but those fine details are what are required to make the process work easily for you. Sort of a great summary, but I believe that covers a lot of the aspects. Well, that's great. And that does cover just about everything I wanted to ask you. And I wanted to follow up with another question uh, or a situation, I should say. There's a lot of people that contact us that I refer to you. And for example, they want to move to Costa Rica, let's say next February, 2023. And in their own minds, they think that they probably should wait until January of 2023 to start the process. And don't you tell them that, uh, that it would be better to start the process as soon as you can before you get here, basically? Not as soon as you can. No, that would be misleading, uh, Skip. No, no. Here's the picture. Here's the, the a fact. All documents that we submit to immigration on behalf of the client must be no older than six months at the time that we submit them. Okay. So, and the, there is an exception when we talk about birth certificates, but trust me when I say this, we want to keep that included in the required document. A person comes to us and says, look, look, I'm going to move to Costa Rica. Here's my birth certificate. It's the same as when it was issued in 1952. It's not within the six month period. So we go to immigration again, hypothetically, because we've done it a hundred times, and say, look, the client has got a, a question and he's right. He's the same person, and the parents are the same person. He was born in the same hospital. He was every all the data on this is the same. So immigration used to say, well, yes, the same information, but now they issue this paper on tamper-proof paper, which was not quite true, because some of the paperwork that we were getting was on regular paper back in those days, from those days. So then they said, okay. But it must be in pristine condition. Well, there goes who makes who makes the decision. So we submit the paperwork, and they, they the first step they do is they look at everything. All the documents are there, so they, they give us a a receipt that we give you allows you to say your paperwork is in process, and therefore you don't have to leave the country every ninety days because you're no longer a tourist here, but a person in process. 
But the, they go through five different levels of, of inspection of all the documents. Then the fourth stage says, hey, this birth certificate doesn't look new. It's, it looks tattered. It looks like somebody set a Coke bottle or a coffee cup on top of the birth certificate from somewhere along the line or when, we, when it was submitted to us. Therefore, I'm rejecting it. And we get notice it's been rejected. We tell the client, go get a new one, but it stops the whole process. So don't, don't to, for the sake of saving two or three dollars or five dollars or whatever the cost is to giving a new birth certificate, please get one. Like a marriage certificate, get married, get a new one. That has to be, unless you're married within six months and you're moving down here, those documents have to be apostilled and such. So uh, I only mention that because that's another step in the process. You order your birth certificate, let's say you get it in two months time or two weeks time. So let's just use January 1st as your start date. So you submit your paperwork January or your, your request for the new birth certificate January 1st. You get it before the end of February to be good. Okay, so but then it has to be collected and set to be a postile. Depending on the postile agent you you use, it'd be at what state you're from because every state varies considerably by the speed that they'll do it. So give them a month to get it apostilled and such, and then send over to us, and there we get it uh, translated and ready to be submitted to immigration. But all the documents you get together and, and have to be submitted at one time after we make the application on your behalf. Okay, so there is no, there is no instructions that are fixed other than everything has to be within the six months of the time that we submit it. So January 1st, if you're coming here on May 15th or May 1st, I should say, then you, you're within that window and that would be a good time frame to start collecting your documents. It can be up to as close as two or three days to the six months, but as long as it's within that window, you're, you're good to go. Sort of convoluted uh, question or answer to a question, but it's uh, again the devil in the details. Yeah, the, the the bottom line when somebody comes to you with a specific time frame, you're going to let them know exactly when to get what document and and what uh, you know should you get a new one of these or a new one of those, and so that's something that they can take to the bank. And then just real quick, let's finish up with this one. I know a lot of your clients are people who have started the residency process with somebody else, and they've also uh, been fed wrong information at times. Uh, can you help these people in their time of need? Oh, yes. Yes, we always we're always cognizant of the fact that if we can if we can provide the information they need to go back to the other provider, we will. But we have found that most often the client or the prospect is so fed up with the way the time frame is tired or they lack of whatever they perceive they didn't get that they expected and such, that most people say, no, you don't understand. Can you do this for me? I'll start over again if I have to. Here's the doctors I have that they have I haven't passed on to my my old provider. So we took that look at them and such, and always 
always help, willing to help, but it's not trying to snatch a client away from a, it's not trying to snatch a client away from a, I want to say a competitor, but a fellow provider. But the fact is, if the client is, is going to leave them, yes, we'll help them. And, and either they'll come on board with us or they'll uh, go with somebody else, simple stuff. But yes, we, we can help people. There's, there's no question about it. Do we have occasions to uh, where they say, I want my paperwork back, I'm going to somebody else? Yes, in 20, 23 years, 24 years in the business, we had a case about a, a year ago where a couple submitted their paperwork to us. We got it all worked out and such, except their, their FBI report was beyond the six months time frame. They said, well, it's a postilled within the six months. We said, yes, but the apostille was on a document that was older than six months by the time we got it to submit. So they said, well, you didn't tell us that and on and on and on. We showed them that we, we have a policy that we back everything up in writing by, by email. Uh, everybody likes to spot up and such and we use it also, but not, not as our final information source, we say, we spell out everything so that there is no, nobody has an infallible memory. So this has saved our goose plenty of time. In this case, all of this has made them more angry because they knew they were wrong and they tried to bull, bulldoze us ahead. But I really thought I was going to say another word here. Bulldoze us uh, into uh, getting a new, new documents for them. So yes, that happened and they went to somebody else and they had to get the new, uh, FBI report done again because the other providers agreed that we were right, but of course they kept the client, which is a client that we didn't want anyway. So yeah, that's it's a uh, sorry for a long answer to a short question. I don't want to step on toes when I talk like that, but the we help anybody we can if there's to our benefit or to the client's benefit or to the detriment of nobody. We're going to be so happy. And I think communication is the key to anything, especially if you're dealing with the the steps to moving to another country. It's so such a uh, an involved process. It's not a hard process at all. It's just involved, and there's so many times that one needs to communicate with their clients. And I know you do a really good job in that. And that's one of the the problems that I hear about all the time from people who are using other purveyors of this business and uh, they just don't communicate with them so uh, let's end on a positive note kevin thank you so much it's been a pleasure and i really understand that there's so much to this and we have posted kevin's contact information and his website address on the program notes associated with this podcast but i wanted to uh, shout it out here right now as well his email address is uh, info at Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts.com. That's info at Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts.com. And the website is at Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts.com. If you have any questions at all, be sure to give Kevin a, uh, um, a call or email him and he'll get right back to you. Also, if you go to the website on the top left-hand side, he has a contact a WhatsApp phone number 
he's available as uh, I believe as long as the sun's up, he's available, but don't call him at night because uh, he, he needs his sleep. But anyway, thank you so much for listening, Kevin. Uh, we'll see you soon for our next conversation together. We're going to talk about everything you need to know about acquiring your legal status here in Costa Rica and so much more about the life here. We really appreciate your time today. You're welcome entirely, Skip. I hope I haven't totally confused people, but uh, if I don't, I will definitely work at confusing them the next time we talk. So, show me a like. Uh, thank you very much for the invite. Sounds good. Thank you.